Hey guys, it's The Ranch here. We had some audio issues this week that resulted in us talking over each other a lot more than we normally would. It's not the best listening experience, but then again, people say that about the whole show anyway. We'll get it right next time, and until then, look after yourselves, and let's get on with the show. Welcome to the Dick and Ham Show. This week's episode is sponsored, as always, by the Old McCallum Scotch Whiskey for that smooth, smooth taste, that bad behavior with the oldmccallum.com. Sam and the camp and the ranch are in Melbourne. Uh, I'm, I'm down on the coast of Norway, dialing in from an attic. And here we are. It's been a while, gents. Um, it was said last year that this was the winter of our discontent in 2020. Is, is, are we having a second winter of our discontent? It's feeling pretty similar. Well... I don't know. Is it, it there's there's parts that are kind of similar, but I don't know. The end is parts feel better, parts feel worse. Which mm. part? Where should we start with that? Which parts feel worse? New South Wales feels um, worse. Yeah, I think um, I think last year sucked, but you were kind of like falsely, as it turns out. Once we get through this, we'll be good. Um, the trouble with this one is. I'm certain that within six to eight weeks of us coming out of this one, we'll just be in the next one. If you've got the policy that we've got, like you're just going to be in and out of them indefinitely, basically until we get to a, some sort of phantom vaccination rate, which we'll never know what the number's going to be. And that's probably going to be like mid next year, I would have thought. So it's really hard psychological when you just know you're just going to pop back in and back out of these things indefinitely. That's why I, how I find anyway. Mid next year. Wow. That's Can brutal. you see... Um, can you see that chick in South Australia who advised people to run away from the football if it went into the crowd? <laughs> being like, 74% is a fine rate. No more lockdowns. Can you see that? <laughs> uh, and I, and I think advice the, uh, was strange. <laughs> that was incredible. Yeah. Look, as, as, as long as we are uh, hostage to conservative medical advice, it's, it's going to be f- for a fair while. And industries, tourism, aviation, big sporting events are just going to have no certainty. And yeah, you would think that would eventually create a backlash big enough, but not so far because the state government's been getting re-elected. The guy in Perth got re-elected like all by one. The biggest majority in Victoria. The Liberal Party have have three seats in a (laughs) 76-seat parliament. It's it's incredible. Okay, and what was the guy's platform? How did he win so comprehensively? McGowan, isn't uh, it? I am fast. I yeah, locked down yeah. faster than you. Yeah, and also not not only do I lock down, I won't let any of those other f- from the rest of Australia come in at all, even if they've got one case. No, he he uh, he toyed go. with banning people <laughs> travelling from New South Wales on a semi permanent basis. Jesus Christ! I mean, it's right. it's slightly concerning the support that that type of hardline policy seems to be getting. Yeah. What does that tell you about where, where we're kind of heading back towards? Um, you remember like it, 10 years ago, no one gave a shit about like Victoria versus, I mean, Western Australia seemed to have beef with everyone else. That's a, that's always been a thing. It's true. Just, I don't know why, but that seems to be a thing. But everything else, it was like, yeah, I don't know. It's just like, that's a state and this is a state. That doesn't feel like how it is now. Parochialism has, has come back into, into vogue as, as they have become you know, as, as we've discovered that borders can actually be shut, which before this thing, we no one even thought that a border Who between a state could be shut. <laughs> also, yeah. there's just like, um, there's also just no federal leadership of just any description on any front. So it's just like we're a collection of states that kind of loosely operate in the same geographic region. 
And so other so than prob- fucking the up the vaccine rollout, there's just been no guidance. Yeah. And and yes, there's there's constitutional elements to that. There's also just well, it's, it's leadership much, elements it's, to that. Well, it's, it's, invisible, pretty, it's pretty much the, the it's pretty much the biggest element. You actually can't tell them what to do, which they tried to. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I sure. But I don't accept that there's nothing that the Prime Minister could do to influence things that are happening in Australia at all. And he's basically just been invisible for 18 months. It's pretty depressing. Probably for him yeah. too. How's Aviation Ranch? Is it is it morale pretty pretty tough right now, With given that it's sort of... I mean, again, it felt like we were through it and now like we're sort of back in it. Must be tough space to be in. Look, I mean, it's a bit like a broken record, to be honest. It's just frustrating. Um, you know, for six months now, we've been, you know, just waiting for some clear space to be able to operate. You know, people in Australia want to travel, certainly domestically at the moment and probably internationally, um, you know, as well. Um, so it's just it's just very frustrating, you know, for, for a lot of aviation employees in, in, in the country. You know, they're working, but there's a whole chunk of, you know, pilots in... Uh, you know, wide body aircraft and, and international crew who are sitting there now going, I, I just, I have absolutely no idea when I'm going to be back working. So that's, that's incredibly, incredibly frustrating. Um, you know, the, the, the industry, not only aviation, but also, you know, just kind of you know, hotels and everything related to tourism would just be um, in the same boat, just incredibly frustrated. You know, there's so much demand for it, but nobody's allowed to go or when you do make plans, um, you know, things change at the drop of a hat. Like, I shouldn't be recording this podcast. I'm meant to be in Cairns right now, today, having arrived this morning. Um, and that's my third holiday that has been booked and fucked in the last 18 months. So um, it's pretty frustrating for everyone. But I don't know, like, I, I still remain positive that the vaccines will get rolled out more and more aggressively and the country itself will grow pretty tired of these lockdowns happening. Um, the fact that it's not just Victoria again, but it's New South Wales in the thick of it and very much, very, very much looking like they're in for the long haul, um, you know, at least for the next few months, I would reckon, you know, might then kind of turn the tide a little bit and, you know, the sooner we can get to a, a, a better space from a vaccination point of view, I think we might be in a situation where these snap lockdowns don't keep happening. But I, I agree with you to an extent. I think they're, they're, they're going to continue to happen just as long as that vaccination rate is less than, I don't know, whatever that number is, 70 odd Yeah, whatever it is. Yeah. Dave, um, I'm interested to know, you guys had come out of the long lockdown and then you'd kind of come out of it though with like a um, relatively high for us, but probably relatively low by European global standards number of cases a day. I think you said, that you were kind of rolling at like an average of like 100, 150 kind of thing. But the vibe in Norway was like, we take this thing seriously. We're still being careful, but we're kind of comfortable if it hovers in that kind of broad range, maybe doesn't get much beyond 300 or much below 30. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah. kind of, has that, has that worked? Have you been able to just stabilize it at that level? Cause that's um, in my mind. That was the model that felt like it made sense to me where you're taking it very seriously, but now you, you you had sort of a moderated approach, but I don't know if it actually has worked, you know? Well, I, I guess I don't know either because worked is such a subjective thing. What, what's, what defines something that worked versus something that didn't work? But I, sure. you, you've defined correctly the way it's been done here. Um, and the advantage that we have is that, and I guess this, this isn't going to make anyone feel better, but Norway was at a disadvantage um, when it came to procuring 
vaccines um, because we're not in the European Union because we don't want to give other people our money. Um, but the only and but they weren't willing to do straight up deals, so they had to kind of go cap in hand to the European Union, saying, "Hey, can we join in and get it through your program?" Which they said yes, but that, what that means is Norway's gotten one percent of all of the vaccines given to the EU have been allocated to this country because it's based on population size. But even with that number, they've managed to get up to 63% with one dose and 33% with two, um, which is, which is, I think, the most important thing that has happened um, because... Is it, is it AstraZeneca Day? Sorry to, to No, they stopped, that Astra- after, they stopped that after like two weeks. So it, all of it since then has been Moderna and Pfizer. So uh, I've had one and it was Moderna um, and the had one and it was, uh, yeah, Pfizer. But... The, the, the strategy that they've used is, is the thing that's also different. They haven't, they haven't tried for zero. They, they've, they would like that, but they ha- they're not willing to go as far as they need to go to get to zero. They're willing to live with a certain number. So because of there being a, a, an amount of restrictions still in place and because of the relatively higher rate of vaccinations, what you have now is in Oslo, you basically have 30 people get it every day but people are willing to live with it. And that's how it's been for some time. Um, and you have quite a lot of your freedoms back. Um, travel is still completely screwed. So that, that's the thing that they're not willing to go near. But everything else and the thing that, that is in such stark contrast to Australia is they're not, they're not you know, zero or bust. They're not, they're not yep. even going for that. So I don't know. To me, it feels like a, a pretty good happy medium. I, as, as an outsider, like at the risk of sounding like Jermaine Greer and an Australian living outside of Australia, just lobbing, lobbing bombs back over the fence, um, I think it feels unrealistic to, to be aiming for zero or bust and to, to shut cities the size of these cities that quickly when you have an outbreak of three, five, seven. And I think it's very important to respect it the way that Australia does and perhaps here people don't respect it enough. But... Um, it just feels almost impossible to, to have that as your standard because otherwise, like you said, Sam, this, this just is going to go on indefinitely because I feel like it's actually, no matter what you do, it's almost impossible to keep it, to keep it at zero forever. I think no matter what you do, there will be little things that come up. But it's, um, it's super tough. And, um, yep, I, I, I picked a second segment that I thought might be able to make people laugh, and now I'm wondering about that. I'm not sure it's going to work. Let's do what it. was it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a song and dance number. I'm going to get up and no, uh, what I was going to do, I was going to. Um, it's Dave's going on holidays here. again and getting screwed by carnies or or, or something. <laughs> is it is it another one of those? You're on holidays. You must have been screwed by somebody. I did. I did bump oh, into the true. same people. The, the guy from last year's moved on. He's, he's got a promotion, so he's obviously not. <laughs> he's moved on from from the card game to the you know the, the duck hunt or whatever's the whatever promotion is in Carnival World. <laughs> No, it wasn't that. Um, we did a driving holiday, which like just domestic, right? We just drove around. Do you guys go down the, the rabbit hole of audio books with your kids? Uh, a little, little bit. A little like, bit. Like, like, yeah. A little bit of Harry Potter written, read by Stephen Fry has gone on in our car. Yeah. And we're not huge on audio books either, but we did we did these sort of these three-hour stretches that were just too long to, to, for the conventional things to work. So I'm like, i got to think of something. So I started going through these audio books. We basically, mainly English. The Norwegian ones are okay, but I just like exposing the kids to English stuff. And I stumbled across one that was the best example I've seen in a while of unintentionally funny, low professionalism, low talent <laughs> production. 
but you basically, play them the Dick and Ham show. <laughs> I don't know. It may, be be, it may be better or maybe worse. I don't know. But um, basically, I, I found a thing called Story Road. And Story Road is one man and one woman who attempt to do the voices of an entire, <laughs> of an entire book. And the first one we listened to was Jack and the Beanstalk, which starts out okay. Like the guy's a good narrator and they've got a few good effects, but it sort of falls apart a little bit. Um, and I, I want to see if you pick up the, uh, the, 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 the type of humour that I picked up. Let me play it for you. Uh, just say stop when you want me to stop it when you've got a comment. Let me just play it and see if we can get this going. It's time to lay your You got head. it? The sun yeah. is gone. The moon instead, the stars start. above, your bed below. Let's take a walk down Story Road. So far, I'm okay with it. A bit cheesy, but you know. Jack and the Beanstalk. There was once upon a time a poor widow who had only one son named Jack and a cow named Milky White. And all they had to live on was the milk that the cow gave. So, so far, no problem. Guy's a good narrator. Sounding good. I'm like, this is the promising. sound effects there. He's got a little, he's got a little soundboard can... there with a cow. Know. I know, he's, he's looking good. So I'm like, this could be pretty good. Sold. But one morning, Milky White gave no milk, and they didn't know what to do. What shall we do? What shall we do? Cheer up, mother. I'll go and get some work somewhere. So we tried that before, and nobody would take... All right, so, so <laughs> something going on with that voice that, that he's chosen there. He, sa- he sounds like someone out of kind of like a Dickensian novel, you know? It's oh, the classic Americans trying to do Cockney accents, and it and basically yes. they introduce a third the, character. The Van and he Dyke, has to, he has to do a different Cockney accent, and that's where it really falls apart. But it also is there just a requirement into- for Jack from Jack and the Beanstalk to have a Cockney accent of all the of all the things? Like, isn't it just a little boy? Yeah, it is. Yeah, oh, no, there, there's been a production meeting and someone's been like, how are we going to run this? And the guy's like, you know what? I can do a Cockney accent. And he I've was, been working he was with wrong Cockney about accent that. all my you life. Know, you'd, be cra- you'd be crazy to pay that <laughs> VO guy 200 bucks. I can just do it. <laughs> I've got talent. I'm the guy for this. All right, let me give yeah. you a bit more. When, when Jack meets the guy, he sells in the beans when it really takes off. Hang on, listen, listen for that. He took the cow's halter in hand and off he started. He hadn't gone far Here we go. when he met a funny looking old man who said to him, good morning, Jack. Good morning to you, <laughs> said Jack, and wondered how he knew his name. Well, Jack, and where are you off to, said the man. I'm going to market to sell this cow here. Oh, you look the proper sort of chap to sell cows, said the man. Here we go. I wonder if you know how many beans make five. Two in each hand and one in your mouth, says Jack, as sharp as a needle. Right you are, <laughs> says the man. Hang Is on, that in the book? Two in the Yeah, that's... Is that supposed to be in it? I, I don't know. But the thing I love is that the guy, the two voices have suddenly just become the same. And the <laughs> yeah, other thing it's is it's hard that, to differentiate there. And then he also stays in character when he goes back to the non-dialogue bit. So he's like, says the man, like still in the voice <laughs> of the character because he couldn't quite pull out in time. Hang on a sec. Yeah, they are. The very beans themselves. The beans, yeah. went on. Pulling out of his pocket a number of strange-looking beans. As you are sharp. Says he, I don't mind doing an even swap with you. Your cow okay. for these here beans. Go along, says Jack. <laughs> wouldn't you like it? Ah, uh, you don't know what these beans are. <laughs> Go along, wouldn't you like it? I guess that must be from the book. It must be. Like, they're, it, not, they're not ad-libbing that. I'm not sure about that. I don't know. You reckon they're just adding colour to it along the way? They could be. Like, like, yes, to get the script or good the script, but then just have just play with it. Just have some fun with it. I can't even remember the kind of let, letting name of Milky White or something like that either. I just thought, yeah, I can't remember. I, I, I can't remember any of that detail. Storyline. 
Yeah, but I, again, I, there's a lot I, I don't remember about Jack and the Beanstalk. Yeah, me too. It turns out there's a golden egg and there's all sorts of things that I didn't remember. But the, the other thing I, cool. I love from the, the production meeting is there's a part in the play where the mother beats him up for stealing the cow and they, they left it in. <laughs> That's good. Which is, yeah, uh, which the, is pretty funny. The, um, the, the, the golden egg and the goose that laid the golden egg is, is pretty pretty core to the Jack and the Beanstalk story though, Dave. Like that's 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 not exactly just something that's been added at the end. You know, it's a, it's about as critical as the actual beanstalk, is what I'd say. It, it is one. pretty critical. My my only recollections are of the the giants um and the chopping down of the of the stalk. So I, I'm probably not the right person to ask. But mm. the first thing I thought when I heard it was that it just sounded so much like South Park. I thought there was it was a guy yeah. trying to do a Cockney accent <laughs> and just sounding like Trey Parker, which was the thing that, that really, <laughs> really got me. Does the storyteller form a view on 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 who's the actual villain of the story? Because Jack just kind of goes into this giant's house, steals all their shit, runs away, and when the giant kind of comes after him, going, "Hey, you've taken my thing!" He murders him. He like just chops yeah. down the beanstalk that the giant's climbing on, and bam, oh, he's dead. Okay, it goes back to your. So you're going to you're going to sort of am I the asshole thing? Yeah, am I, <laughs> am I the asshole? Yeah, so true. You're, you're, so you're going to try and get someone to give you like a hundred million dollars to make beanstalk. The giant side of the story. Yeah, so that was Jack and the Beanstalk. But I mean, have you guys got any go-to moves in the car when you're dealing with long car rides? We're a little bit stuck in that we've got one kid that gets a little car sick and we've got another one who's two, which obviously makes life difficult because she's a two-year-old. Any any tips and tricks that have worked for you guys with long car trips? Uh, well, what we've done, well, firstly, we're not really taking many long car trips. Like we drive three suburbs away and the kids are like, this is taking forever. What's going on? And that's partly just because we've spent so long just kind of in lockdown over the last 12 months. So that's not really high on the agenda. But um, for Christmas, we got them both uh, a pair of wireless headphones, which has been great. Now we can just get the AFL footy songs and just put them on his headphones and he'll just sit there for like half an hour and just be like silence. Hold on. And then the next one will come on. Swans, swans. And then, uh, yellow and black. Like that's just, that's what he'll do. It's, it's unreal. It's the best. That's, I'd highly recommend that, that twenty nine ninety nine from Big W. That's very cute. Especially just his football songs, like all of them. He wants to know all of them. Oh, Even the shitty ones, like yeah. the, uh, the the Gold Coast the one, which is, it he, turns he, out it's a terrible he lo- song. He loves footy songs so much. He made me rank my 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 footy songs. Um, from, what was the, what were the rankings then? Uh, well, Essendon first, of course. Um, and then I had, look, I had to put Richmond second because you kind of have pretty to. Good. Uh, yeah, it's pretty uh, good. GWS third, um, a strong third, in fact. Uh, the fourth was the Swans, Shake Down the Thunder from the Sky. That's a fucking hot lyric. I love that. What? What are you talking about, David? It's good. It's okay. It's okay. The, the cheer, cheer, the red and the white. It's know, got a banjo sure. solo. Huh? Yeah, Can that's true. That? I, I do love the solos. I love the trumpet fanfares. I, I didn't think, is it yep. a banjo? I'm, I'm struggling to picture the it's banjo. It's a banjo. Um, and it's then weirdly, I had, I had Hawthorne higher than I thought I'd have. I thought like, Hawthorne might have been next. It's not a bad song. Yeah, there's what, a lot what's, of what's worse, Fremantle maybe. Yeah, yeah, Fremantle, West Coast, Port. What about um, the what about the Adelaide one that had a sponsor's name in the song? Come on. Yeah, yeah, that that was that was pretty good <laughs> as well. But yeah, top the top Cameron five Crows. and bottom five, I'm pretty clear on. Can you guys give me the, the the short version of when Essendon tried to change their theme song and the fans revolted about 15 years ago? What what was the story there? Yeah, what was that again? But it, yeah, it was, it it was, was it, yeah, happened at one game, didn't it? 
Yeah, yeah they played it when we started guys. playing Let's Get Loud by J-Lo. It, it, yeah, yeah, that was another I remember that. It. I remember that. Yeah, that this that, was an actual theme song change, wasn't it? Yeah, so what happens? <laughs> As with all of these things, you get fucking half-wit people who are actually working in football because that's, for the most part, the people who are working in football, um, who get to go on a trip overseas and see how they do it in America fundamentally misunderstanding the differences between the audiences and importing back the wrong things from those uh, events. And that's how you come back to, oh, we need to update the, the anthem because, you, you know, you see all the songs that are played at these overseas events. You don't have any of these, you know, really old songs that are, you know, written with, with uh, big marching bands in mind. No, we've got to really modernise this up. And secondly play fucking loud music after every goal because that's what they do in the NFL. And yeah. the, the summary is marketing people for the most part halfwits. Uh, people on this call excluded because you're not working for football mm-hmm. clubs. But mm-hmm. that just so I did write that stupid. song though, so you know I've got to own that. Yeah. Got to own that. <laughs> so yeah. basically they they brought it out in the summer. People were very unhappy when they heard it. Said, no, 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 this is just the vocal minority saying they don't like it, so we're going to play it at the first game. They played it at the first game, the crowd booed. And then, so after that, it was no longer used. Um, because I'm Googling it here to try to find it, and I cannot. No, no, it's it, disappeared it, off the face of the earth. It's been scrubbed from the internet. What I was going to say was, it's, it is, to be, to be fair on them, I totally agree with everything you just said. Almost all new innovations um, at football are shit, including... The insistence on loud music at every break, all of the crap that Ranch and I are cranky old men about all the time when we go to football matches. Having said that, you know the one exception to that, Dave, and you might have missed this because you've been overseas for a hundred years. Was was Port Adelaide? Was hang on, was it Port or was it Adelaide with the Never Terrace yeah, apart? Port. There? Yeah, Port, Port, when, when, Port Adelaide. Yeah. When they went back to the Adelaide Oval, when they rebuilt the Adelaide, or not rebuilt, when they finished redeveloping the Adelaide Oval and they stopped playing at Football Park, which, as I understand it, was like the Waverley of Adelaide. That was bad. They went back to, and they, they had this thing where they played Never Tear Us Apart. And I've, you guys might have actually been to one of these games. I haven't, but um, I've never been to a game of that ground. But they play it before the game. Everyone sings it. They've got some sort of like yeah. light so and sound stuff, out. which is actually... Not shit. We, you know, to the point where, like, you almost can't believe that they could do something like that and it would actually work because it never does. But apparently, it does. Yeah, apparently, it's great. It it does. I've I've been to a game before a Port Adelaide game there, and it does it does work. Um, but it's again, it's one of those things. It, it evolved organically. Like they were just playing music before the games, uh, and people particularly liked that song. And then it kind of became, you know, the people saw, oh, well, yeah, we're, getting, right. we're getting a reaction to this, so they now play it as the last song before the team's run out for every guy. And again, Funny, you wouldn't like, have picked that song, would you? Like if you were trying to pick a fire up song or something, never tears apart, no, but, but, but apparently it works really well. But then have a look at the song in Liverpool, right? Yeah. For Liverpool, so the song was, it's, play, uh, yeah. it, it's, it's, it's basically the Australian equivalent of that song. Yeah. I suppose so, that's true. You'll never walk alone. Is that by Jerry and the Pacemakers? Sam, remember when we met the bass player from Jerry and the Pacemakers at its laundromat in London? What? I was about to say, where was that? And then I remembered that it was there. And we did the I, numbers. I do remember that. And we yeah. thought, that can't be right. Those guys had hits in the 40s and you were like 24 years old. This does not it make pre- sense. Pre-internet. We couldn't. We, and then, then I think we decided he might have been one of their like tour where only two of the five members go on tour to make a bit of coin and they have to drag yeah. in like a bass player. 
related note, I had um, uh, She's My Biggest Voice Box in my head and your face-melting bass line all day the other day. I did. <laughs> True story. All day. Why? So I put on that reference to huge band. Yeah, a lot of lot of the bass was really just driving that whole song along. You know what I mean? Yeah, it was. Rancher's in a band. For those who don't know, we can talk more. We can dedicate an entire episode to the band. I think we we, we should. But I've got a story about being booed off the stage that no one's actually ever heard. I just, I just remembered it. Um, and funnily enough, boots, it's actually kind of what you're saying, but it's actually kind of something different because it was something new and old. In that, when England came to play the 2006 2007 Ashes. And we were trying to think of event presentation stuff. Shout out to Chris Loftus-Hills over there in Perth, who's now working. I think he's working He's working at the stadium over there. Great guy. He was in charge of event presentations. Like, what can we do that's going to be good? What's good about cricket in England? What, can we kind of marry the two things? Can we kind of build on the spirit of the Barmy Army and people coming over? He's like, you know what I'm going to do? Let's get the could have been champions out there and, and let's get them to rewrite a few songs and like have a little playful, playful jab at, at the palms I mean, I'm going, to, I'm going to distance myself from it now and pretend I didn't say, yes, that was a good idea because, you know, it was happening outside of my sphere of influence. So he comes up with Greg Champion, whoever it is. And the t- <laughs> I'll never forget watching this because I was on the phone to this guy who organised at the time. I don't know why I was calling about something else. Like, oh, there could have been champions are just coming on and like, the innings break. This is going to be good. And basically they had a song uh, in the jungle, the mighty jungle, the lion sleeps tonight. They changed it and the the... A whim away, a whim. They changed it to be about whinging English people. It's like they whinge away, they whinge away, they whinge away. They whinge. And there was a whole song about how English people like to whinge, which is a pretty fucking weak premise for a piece of entertainment. <laughs> anyway, they start, I'm listening to it on the phone, and the most ferocious booing breaks out from the from the English fans <laughs> and the Australian fans. The guy stopped. He had to stop and walk oh, off. No. Didn't get through the song. Oh no! It was so bad that it united Australian and English cricket fans. <laughs> Everyone was so angry, and I don't know what he did. He literally was like, "We're going to have to call this," and he just stopped playing, and that was it. So. We're going to have to call this. <laughs> and then he just stopped and walked off, and they had like a set of seven songs, and they didn't play any of them. They didn't oh, even get no. through the first one. Unbelievable! Something, something similar happened in a pregame. Um, earlier this year in the AFL season, it wasn't. It wasn't that the song was bad. Where was it, Boots? Like you texted me about it at the at the time. Was it, it was it was the country game or something like that? Like the the Geelong oh, yeah. Essendon game. I, and, and like, yes, like I felt, I felt sad, something, right? and I can't even I can't even remember what it was now because yeah, I no, texted you. I, I felt bad. It was this. It was this group of like four or five dudes, and and they turned up. Um, you know, like to play like some country music, and but it wasn't just like Keith Urban country music. Like, like there was a guy fucking shredding a banjo, and like you know these other guys, like like they, they were the slides or any slide, like just just genuine, genuinely like good sounding musicians. Like to the extent that you, if you you need to like someone shredding a banjo to like this music, anyway. So 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 they start playing, and they kind of get to the start of the first verse, and like you could hear all the instruments, and then all, all right, of they sudden, shredded to the start of the first verse. Go on. <laughs> But then all of a sudden, as soon as the dude started singing, all of the instruments, like the sound of all of the instruments just stopped. And so <laughs> I don't know if he could still hear it, but what was coming through the oh, TV. And I, think I saw this. Despair. Yeah, you saw this, right? It was just what was the it? Dude. It, it was, was the country yeah. game. That was kind yeah. of it. It was fucking terrible. Did he pull it out? Or did I they just I'm not sure he could they hear. Just, I reckon he, 
he might have been out here it's still in his on his monitor but no one else it wasn't coming through the pa at all the levels were fucked yeah and and (laughs) and i don't know whether i've invented it in my mind but i was looking at at the rest of the musicians up there and it kind of looked like all of them were just going fucking hell i'm just gonna keep i'm gonna play it as loud as i can acoustically so this (laughs) thousand people can hear it it was waltzing matilda yeah it was i remember that oh those poor people i hope they got a do-over the only way you can solve that is to say you know what we're going to give you some other opportunity to do this and to make it good play it next year do you guys remember the uh the do you remember the 93 grand final boots don't answer that oh marucci baramba Um, she she sung that song and again speaking of monitors the 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 orchestration which wasn't live it was the pre-record she was singing over a pre-record of like an orchestra playing national anthem and it she ended up like yeah. like 10 seconds behind the track by the by Ooh, the end yeah. of the thing like it's uh, or, or ahead of it i can't yeah. one of the two yeah, like yeah, it's but- uh, it's and and she also it's, she obviously can't hear herself because she's she's obviously can she got that yeah, her, big, i'm going to assume she can her, sing she sounded her, terrible her it was earpiece a disaster. Just- her earpiece just wasn't working. So so she she was out of sync with, with the music. She was singing to the music as she heard it from the speakers at the MCG reaching her ears. So yeah, like she was, was just, she was disaster. way out. She couldn't hear herself. It was oh. an absolute nightmare. In the defense of everybody who's bombed at the MCG, it's acoustically terrible because it's so big and it's it's the sound yeah, it's just bounces around. It's it's very hard to put on a good gig there. But um, yeah, the, the only hope for a good MCG show will be something at night at some point. Do you know what I mean? That's but like it's pretty hard. Sound wise, it would be the same, but at least it would look better. Yeah, exactly. Boots is there. I feel like maybe it's just because they play the anthem so much more frequently. But I feel like there's a long history of people bombing on the American national anthem. Is is it? Is oh, there yeah. a sort of a cultural thing where like if you love America, you get to have a go, or is it? No, is it, it, just, it, it, it it's it's a volume. It's a volume play. Yeah, yeah. Like, it, it's it gets just, played have, before everything. To, yeah, they, because yeah, so you've got. Um, whatever it is, the 4,000 NBA games a year. That's a lot of freaking national anthem. They're fucking singing at every opportunity, yeah. to be honest. It's a lot. And if you're a celebrity, you get it. You get you, you don't have to really audition for it. The one I'm thinking of was Carl Lewis, track and field star, uh, Carl Lewis. <laughs> oh, yes. Gold medalist, 98. Which, by the way, was the most memorable say, thing flea. I can remember. That and, 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 and the thing uh, with oh, yeah, Carl Lewis, Flea was bad. Carl Lewis, that wasn't singing the... National anthem that was singing in the seventh inning stretch out of Chicago Cubs. Game. Uh, no, he's bombed on the national uh, anthem as well. I've, 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 I've why did they get him to sing another thing? I don't know. But I've seen well, the, 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 it. The, 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 out of his range. One is the uh, is the and he also he also threw out a, a first pitch. And for someone who's you know, some people consider the greatest athlete of the. 1980s. He hits a bloke in the nuts who's standing four people to the left. Lee's rendition of the national anthem was an absolute was an absolute shocker. But it's it's not like that was just at a random game either. Was that like Kobe's last ever game or something yes, like that? So it, it was, was like a big event. Fuck. That's brutal. How does that make you feel, Boots? Oh, I don't really give a shit about the American national anthem. So. <laughs> So really but you care about the Lakers, and it was an in, it was an insult to to the Lakers. But, uh, was that that was that that game with that everyone's really- enthralled by because Kobe got fifty points or something, but he took like four hundred and thirty shots. He had sixty points, Samuel, and he took thirty eight shots. 
So, and he scored yes. a lot of on Joe Ingles, so we, we don't want to talk, <laughs> talk really down to him. Yeah, that's it's obviously not true. That's sir, not true. Why would you bring that up? Sir Joe Ingles out of South Australia. But speaking of Carl Lewis, uh, the Olympic Games, they start today. The 2020 Olympics, which are mm-hmm. now happening in 2021, happening in Tokyo. I have a friend who's there in a capacity as a journalist, uh, and she, the report back from her is that it's uh, – pretty logistically challenging to uh, to yeah, get around yeah. it took like five yeah. hours to get out of the airport it's just tests everywhere you can't go through this door because someone else went through it like it's just logistically incredible uh, just to do anything it seems but i guess that's kind of the only choice they have if they're going to have anything at all in terms of olympics that they, they have to they have to do it uh, brisbane have won the rights to the olympics in 2032 in a farcical process with no one else bidding how do we feel I about, no idea about that process? I was so excited did, the other night. <laughs> why did no one else bid for it, Boots? Well, they 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 did bid in the earlier versions, and then the uh, IOC came out with a set of criteria uh, to which none of these other countries' bidding could meet. And not to trump this up, but they were pretty shithole countries that were bidding against it. Like I think the most prolific country was Turkey, um, and the fact you know you wouldn't hold anything in there at the moment, given the nature of the um, government and their proximity to a number of um, actual hot wars. Um, yes. But the, the, it became clear that you had to have a certain base level of infrastructure already in existence. I, you didn't have to build X from scratch. Um, yeah, so you don't have Brisbane. an Athens scenario. Correct, um, or, or uh, frankly, a Rio scenario, um, yeah. but the uh, which is, is kind of front of mind. Which, if they keep up this, um, it, it's why Los Angeles ended up being the only alternative for the twenty twenty eight games. Um, Paris only just made the criteria for the twenty twenty four games, so it'll be interesting, right? And this is probably going to become a an issue that people will start pointing out. You've got Paris, Los Angeles, Brisbane. What's the common thread there? White Anglo countries hosting the next three Olympic Games because of this criteria has driven in in this direction. So I'm sure there, there's a million think pieces currently being written in the uh, uh, whatever the US um, equivalent of the Guardian is, but. Um, on that very topic. It's a pity, it's a pity for, for many reasons that the Olympics in Tokyo don't have any people there, but I'm, I'm actually very excited to watch it. Very rarely in Australia do you get a really big sporting event that's kind of in our time zone. Oh, in the right time zone, yeah. Yeah, like, so I'm, I'm, I'm extremely excited, particularly to watch the athletics. I just worry that it's going to lose a hell of a lot without kind of the crowd element there, but, you know. It's such a shame. Like, they're such nice people and... Um, you're getting historically screwed. Like it's pretty much, I presume it happened in like the wars or whatever, but in terms of like this scenario happening where you finally yeah. have these games, you know, and then it's just, oh, it's going to be such a shit show, you they've know, like built, crowds. They've and, built all these stadiums and, yeah, just, like, and like, there's like, no one there. Half the press is going to be the scandal about the swimming team having an outbreak or this happening or that happening. Um, it's just such a shame. And like, it actually... <clears throat> I've only been to Japan once, but it probably would have been an absolutely awesome place if you were going to try and go to the mm. Olympics too, to like be in Japan for it, like um, yep. just because of the type of place it is. But now it feels like it's going to be pretty constrained. I actually feel the opposite here. I feel like I'm so distracted by everything here that I sort of 
like I'm barely paying attention to it. But I'm hoping that that's just that Olympics thing that everyone gets over as soon as it starts every time. You know what I mean? Mm. Yeah, yeah. It, it, I mean, look, for, for me, it's it's probably just more, you know, I've, I've been running a lot more in the last few years and just, you know, I, I have some ability to understand how fast those guys are going. And believe me, it is incredibly fast. Like, you know, and, and that, that's not just the sprinters. Like Kipchoge, you know, will be really competitive in the marathon again. And, you know, when he broke that two-hour barrier um, a couple of years ago, the pace at which he goes to do that for 42 kilometres, I think I can do that pace for like maybe a minute and a half or something like that. It is yeah. it is ridiculous. It, it should be possible. It is ridiculous. And so, you know, kind of seeing seeing him and just the competition in, in that event and particularly some of the kind of middle distance stuff, it's just going to be, it's going to be awesome. I can't wait. I was thinking about Olympic. There's, a, there's an interesting debate over here where there's athletes who are lionized for winning winter sports. And I'm always the slight opposition of that in that I, I think it's less valuable um, than people who are doing more universal sports that everybody plays. So like by that logic, what Kipchoge's doing, or, or, or to take it a step further, what, what Usain Bolt did is probably the most universally kind of high achievement in athletics because he's the best at something that literally everybody has tried. Don't you reckon? Is there something that's more universal than running 100 metres that more people have tried and, and there's a guy, there's one guy who's the best ever at it? Yeah, well, I, to, to me, I think that's why um, the Olympics itself, whilst it's, it's got lots of problems that you can point out, there are elements to running and swimming and jumping and whatever, like, you know, track and field and swimming that, um, that, are, that are just kind of so pure that that's kind of why I'm, I just find myself attracted to it kind of every four years. There is I don't a know why like golf or, or surfing needs to be in it, mind you, but... Yeah, that's a little weird. I, I think that's a cynical kind of broaden the base type, uh, type thing that they, that they go for every time. <clears throat> that's some, maybe someone may tell me differently, but I feel like a lot of the sports I quote think should be in it are just based on the fact that they used to be in it when I was a kid. So like someone will yeah. be like, well, why shouldn't something be in it? And I'll be like, well, legit. And then I'm like, actually, I've got no really, I've got no reason that a sport sh- should be in it. You know, I don't know. Like, um, I think, I think the main thing someone said to me once is that if it's in the Olympics and I reckon this is quite good, it should be the pinnacle of the sport. So to me, Every tennis player ever would yeah, rather fair. win any major than winning a gold medal, so it shouldn't be in. And golf is probably the same. So that's probably an easy. That's probably quite an easy cut off, though, because if you're just <clears> same <throat> with like NBA basketballers going, who don't really give a shit. I suppose I'll go it'd be good but, to be able to do it. That's the thing, though, and here's where you got to draw the distinction. And I have thoughts about having professionals in basketball, but there is no international team event that is bigger than the Olympics. Like the World Championships for basketball was not as big as the Olympics. So on your rationale that it needs to be the pinnacle of the sport, for international teams, it is the pinnacle of the sport. It's just not the pinnacle of the professional execution of that sport. Mm. Yeah, so, but same, the same principle applies. None of the guys on the court would rather win a gold medal than win a championship in America. Yeah, probably true. None of them. None of them. Boots, can you tell the listeners out there a little bit about, the, speaking of basketball, Australian basketball has been close. The Opals have won a silver medal a couple of times, but the Australian men's team have mm. come fourth the last two Olympics. They seem to yep. be getting closer and closer and closer. How would you describe this, the team this time around? This is their best chance. I wish Ben Simmons was playing. Of winning it. Oh, really? Because wow. 
the problem they're going to have, as always, is the Americans because they have a team that, whilst they probably don't like each other, they, don't, they haven't barely played together. They've got two. They got twenty five percent of their team is showing up today, and who finished playing the NBA Finals three days ago. But they still have the most talented players. They've still got Kevin Durant, and the team, in theory, makes some sense, even though they haven't played together. The advantage of the Australian players have this is really the third cycle of world championships olympics world championships that the core of this team has been together with the exception of matisse thibel i'll get to in a second but the ingles baines patty mills um delivered over and a couple of the other guys guys. um, yep golding who is you know an international quality shooter it's there and they're they're also playing there's a, there's a guy who's uh, been playing in the Yugoslavian league who's been to a couple of NBA summer camps um, it's a, a, another Senegal player and we've actually you know for the first time we've got NBA players who aren't getting a Guernsey because they're not good enough to get in the team so he's playing he's playing good name he's he's, he's in the team but the um uh, there's a couple who are playing in the NBA that aren't, including a guy who got drafted in the top ten, which is going to go down as a as a terrible draft pick. The Who's that? the uh, league guy who was actually number two, who was going to be, he, he was predicted to go number two. He'd stayed or gone to college, but he came out early and went nine. Whose name is completely escaping me now, Dave? Can you? No, it's gone. I don't have it either. And he's a bastard. He's, yeah, he was playing with Giannis, um, but he's now not with Milwaukee. He got traded to Detroit and hasn't been. Our um, timing. Yeah, yes, <laughs> well, two, two years ago, but yeah. So that team um, is actually on the second line of betting with Vegas. So yeah. Australia to win the gold medal is five to one. Jesus. If you think about that wow. for a second, um, now the US is minus 375, which is basically the odds on to win it but it's actually short that's actually longer odds than they have been for a while with Vegas because uh, Americans are parochial and you know also the, the team does have NBA talent and hasn't lost since 2000 they've, they've lost one time when they sent NBA players that was 2004 when no one wanted to go and they had to send all the young players now they've got a bit of that situation again here where no one wants to go but they still have Kevin Durant and and the, I can't, you know, I can't believe Durant's playing with his in, with his injury profile and his resume. And given that I'm sure he's like, I've got to win it next year at Brooklyn for this thing to have been worth it. I mean, respect to him, do you know what I mean? But I'm surprised, you know. Uh, I I think he feels like he has some reputation rehab to do, and winning the gold medal is the best reputation rehab you can do. People like he, his reaction to not getting global acclaim for winning in Golden State and being petulant about not being fettered for, for those and being seen as a bandwagon jumper, but more to the point, reacting badly to being seen as a bandwagon jumper has really kind of sent his Q rating, for want of a better word, um, down. And I think he, plus the year off with the Achilles, now he was, we get on the NBA finals shortly, but the, the I, frankly, I think if he'd had... Uh, Irving and Harden there, given the injuries on the in the Western Conference, they would have definitely beaten Milwaukee, and they would have won yeah. yep, the, the NBA championship. So mm-hmm. I think if they 
if they had got through and won it, I don't think he would have played. But I think he's um, he's in the middle of a, 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 a reputation rehab. Yeah, having that, twi- that that Twitter burner account didn't help his reputation. We oh, just yes. like it's... set up this this Twitter account called like Gary Johnson and started like responding to people. Nah, man, Durant's awesome. Are... You're a dickhead. And oh, then someone's like, no. hey, How that's, about yeah, that's that him. KD? You yeah. heard? I've got his math. <laughs> he did that and yeah. got brutally exposed yeah. doing that, oh, and that yeah. was not a good look. <laughs> yep. Um, hey, oh, so good. speaking of things that aren't a good look, I just found uh, that Essendon theme song. By the way. And I've sent it to you guys. Um, I'll see if I can put it on at the end of the show. In the That'd edit. be awesome. Yeah, play, it, play it for the outro. Just it's one other Mike, thing about yeah. So anyway, Mike, Mike Brady end. sings it. Really? Not good. Yeah, of course he yeah. does. Uh, and yeah. and I found a I found a website here that's got all the alternate AFL songs, including one from Fitzroy, recorded by comedian Ugly Dave Gray. That's not going to be not any good. good. That's not going to be good. That's what that's Fitzroy deserved, good. really. You know, to be fair, no, no disrespect to them and everything, but and they, they, they did have the best jumper. To be fair, Fitzroy had the best jumper. That was a cool. They do. Thing. Yeah, that was. They very should cool. wear it all the time. It's great. They actually you know, should. You know, Dave, they wear it. They wear it away games now. Yeah, that's a, it's just a good yeah. jumper. Like there's there's a couple of different really color combos of it. But the 80s one that has the really strong red and, and the strong blue. I, I see Melbourne are sometimes wearing their 80s jumper with that really wacky. Yeah, it's great. Wacky blue, which I actually reckon is pretty cool as well. Yeah. But uh, no, so good luck to uh, to everyone at the Olympics, especially the boomers. Watch for uh, watch for Paddy Mills to somehow play four times better than he usually does because that's what he always happens at the Olympics, which is great to see. But I wanted to quickly round out the sports or oh, before we talk NBA finals. I had something in the notes here talking about things that everyone has tried, like being the best in the world at something everyone's tried. Do you guys know about a man named Joey Chestnut? I think I do. So I'm Joey familiar Chest- with his work. It, Sam, Sam's the only one who doesn't know. He's been in the news recently. Joey Chestnut is a 14-time champion of the World Hot Dog Eating Championship held by Nathan's Hot Dogs in, I would assume, Brooklyn or somewhere rather. And this is a competition. I'd say Midwest. Yeah, could be. And look, we don't want to endorse uh, things that might kill you in terms of competitions that are stupid. Actually held at uh, Coney Island, the uh, theme park at Coney Island every year. I may have attended it. So Boots has been there. Boots, we're going to get to that. Boots has seen Joey Chestnut in action. He's been there, yep. So uh, for some reason, this has slipped through the net. It's the only kind of legitimate eating competition that is still kind of seemingly allowed and attracting attention. And what you do is you spend 10 minutes eating hot dogs and see who gets the most. It's like like the 100-meter sprint. Everyone's tried it. This year, Joey Chestnut, in 10 minutes, Sam, this man ate 76 hot dogs in 10 minutes. It's uh, so many, like full size. It's pretty incredible. So many. But now, from what, I've what you know about I've this. Seen, I've seen video of that, and it's always, it's that really light American, like, the, the New York style. Yeah, it's, 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 you can kind it's, of it's, it's you can crush it into, ones, like, yeah. a golf ball almost, you know? Do they well, wet them or something? Do they prepare Yeah, you do. They, they wet the bread. So, and you're, and you're allowed to, in, and under competition hot dog rules, you can dip <laughs> the bun into, into water to make it be able to go down oh. in the speed that you need because you'd imagine having that much bread that if it wasn't watered you just your stomach you'd, wouldn't you'd be able expand. to handle it but, yeah. but when I, I went in 2011 when Sam and I were in the States I, w- I went with another guy from work and the uh, yeah it was incredible and you can you know when, when I'm the thinnest guy walking around in a uh, in a place you know that there's some overeating's gone on but the the real issue here is that this as as Dave said this guy has won every year and he pretty much Milton Burls it because what he likes to do is 
is just do enough so that he can set a new record every year. And he's talked about this because he wants to break the world record every time he steps out there. He, he did this one, year. He did, and he's done it most years. Um, because he, he, I assume people are familiar with the Milton Berle and analogy. Don't insult me. Of course we're fucking familiar with it. Yeah, um, go ahead. Mind the listeners of the Milton Berle thing, Boots? <laughs> What's the Milton Berle <laughs> thing, Boots? The, the Milton Berle uh, is a, he's a Hollywood uh, icon, a well-regarded swordsman, uh, to use oh. the Ian, Ian Rappaport terminology. Um, yeah, real, and pants he, uh, real, real pants man. And uh, in uh, apparently in the in the sixties, he was at a at a club, and was there was some uh, some conversation going on about uh, who was packing the most heat, and then a couple of the very prominent actors at the time flopped it out on the table, and Milton was the was the largest. And I asked afterwards, uh, Milton said, oh, I had another couple of inches in me. I just pulled out enough to win. Um, <laughs> and, and so that, that's now become known as when you Milton Bell something, you just, uh, just doing enough to win, but really you had a little bit in reserve. Um, yeah. anyway, I just found an article about him to, uh, on medium.com from 2017 called History's Most Notorious Penises. Yeah, massive wang. <laughs> massive wang. He, he, just, he, was the, really um, he was actually... Widely known in North America as the Bobby Davis of Hollywood, Bobby, so, Bobby, Bobby Dazzler, yeah, yeah John yeah. Fire, the, yep. the Geelong Fire, indeed, Geelong Fire. and Bobby Davis was <laughs> known as the Ben Dixon of Geelong. Uh, so, so much talk about giant wanks, but anyway, to quickly round out my Joey Chestnut story, <laughs> so in there they had um, the prior to Joey Chestnut, there was a, a Japanese contestant who's this tiny guy called Kobayashi. And he was the reigning champion before Joey Chestnut. He'd actually beaten him the year before, but it was kind of this is the coming together where the Kobayashi was expected actually to knock off Joey Chestnut at this uh, at this event. And just Hard watching fight. how seriously people were taking <laughs> taking this was uh, was was quite eye opening. But uh, people betting on it is it a betting thing? It, it is, but there's pretty hard caps on the. Um, on, on the amounts you can bet, as with most of these sort of unregulated sports. So, you know, you, you're looking at kind of a thousand bucks. That's the most you can put on a, a particular contestant. I see. Is Joey yeah, Chestnut Joey his Chestnut. real name? Like, you know, is, is his birth certificate say Joseph R. Chestnut? Could be. That's I, haven't, a good question. I haven't viewed it. <laughs> Have, haven't looked into it. But, uh, uh, we'll, yeah. we'll come back to you on that one, Ranch. Don't know, don't know the right. authenticity of the name, but uh, the, the achievements stand for themselves. 14-time winner, uh, 76 hot dogs in 10 minutes, which I think yeah. equates to one like every 12 seconds or something. Don't do not do the maths on that because, you know, oh, potentially wrong. So much salt. So is, much he salt. A, um, is, he, is he a um, robust gentleman? I don't not, think so. No, not as, not, not as big yeah. as you'd think. No, he's, he's not. He's, hus- he's husky rather than anything else. He's not, he's not yeah. a, a giant. He's just a dude, and he just has this ability to eat hot dogs. So, you know, like I said, Usain Bolt, he's the best at something everyone's tried, and this guy's the best at eating, which, uh, you know, everyone's tried It's the same thing, that. pretty much. Basically, basically the same. What are you guys watching? I, I guess there's uh, lockdown equals a little bit more time to enjoy films and television series. Is there anything interesting you guys have had recently on your, on your screens? I got, I got two for you. Mm-hmm. Um, I got um, The Undoing. The Hugh Grant Nicole Kidman one. Ah, uh, yes, yes, saw that. Yep. Which, which I would say was was definitely good, but not in the upper echelon. It was just in the very good echelon kind of thing. 
and then not to be too serious about it. And then I then watched um, Dr. Death, the hot guy mm-hmm. from Dawson's Creek, Alec Baldwin, Christian Slater vehicle, which um, wow. I actually really enjoyed. True story and um, absolutely <laughs> horrifying. Just, I've actually thought about it quite a lot since. It's that unbelievable. It's um, And really good performances. Like Christian Slater's good. Him and Alec Baldwin are fucking funny. Like they, you want to watch them the whole time. They're great. So it's just five or six, five or six episodes. It's just good. Good. Doctor Doctor Death. Yeah. It's, it's got, you know, um Pacey. I mean, it's called Doctor Death, so I'm sure Yeah, I'm sure, I, I'm sure it's know, not I feel fun. Like, yeah, I really feel like they should have gone for a, a less dramatic name, but it's about a um uh, a doctor in Texas slash Memphis, um, who is like super qualified surgeon, like all real qualifications, does all the training and then just like starts operating on people and is just sort of goes off the reservation without giving away too much more. It, it, but that how that all happens is just confounding. It's really, really incredible and a true story. So don't Google it while you're watching it just to see if you can to find anything out because you'll in a second just find out everything and sort of ruins it, which is what happened. To so don't do that. Dr. Death. And what was anyway, the Hugh Grant one called again? The Undoing. Undoing. Yeah. yeah we watched good, that. That, that was good. He's, um now that he's in that, I'm going to stop being a, a foppish Englishman and I'm in the I'm older now, and I'm probably more handsome and less boyish. But I've still got some of those Hugh Grant moves. I quite enjoy him in everything he's in these days, including agreed. this. Yeah, agree. Yeah. He was great on the Mark Maron podcast on on WTF. He was excellent. Just, just he a lot was, of swearing, was, wasn't a, lot, he? a lot of lot of humour. He was very good. Yeah. With, with, yeah. Without ruining it for anyone, Samuel, what did you think of the ending? Because that's what let me down a long a um, long way with the undoing. That that's that's kind of my exact point of view. I was absolutely loving it, and in the end, I was a bit like, "Oh, so like, what was the point of all this a bit?" So he just, you know, like, yeah, we, I don't know, I yeah. don't know how to talk about it, but yes, yeah, I found yeah. the ending to be like, oh, you wanted something different, uh, something slightly different somehow, and yeah. you didn't get it. And it's hard to see where that was going to come from, but that's always the case but, in these shows. We, like you compare that to Mayor of Easttown, which was. Similar in some ways in terms of a some sort of weird murder and you don't know who did it, um, and um, but it, it sort of it surprised you in a good way. So yeah, so I agree, boots. Two two good ones. Thank you. I think Sam boots and the ranch. What do you guys got on? Anything? I got a couple. I mean, look, everyone and their dog will have watched this or will be watching it. But the Loki on Disney Plus for those of you who enjoy the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Tom Hiddleston is really good in this and Owen Wilson is uh, I mean I, I like Owen Wilson so not surprisingly good but them t- those two together have incredibly good chemistry and make the show actually much more enjoyable than it has a right to be and uh, uh, so I enjoyed watching that and then the other thing I will just give a plug for as it comes back today in fact is Ted Lasso season 2 possibly Ooh, my favourite show of last Fast year of last year. I haven't seen that yet. Uh, oh, Sam, it's great. It, You'll enjoy it, it. it. It's really good. It I can't, so I can't good. watch. Um, I can't watch Apple Apple shows through my Sony TV. It's like the model before the one that also showed Apple. You could also stream Apple through. So I just haven't got around to watching it, but I want to. Mm. It just makes me feel happy watching it. So, um, that, and, and look, look, the last thing I will say is. Uh, I watched Line of Duty season six, which is the last show of a very popular British uh, police oh. drama, which is an excellent, excellently put together show. It, it is look, it's designed. How did you feel about the end? Lots of twists. 
I was upset because I wanted more resolution from a series ending than I was given. Um, but it doesn't take away from the how well very, executed. Yeah, I've heard it's real yeah. good. Yeah, was, was that the one? Um, the was that the one that the first season was like that cop who was um like the bodyguard for like the prime minister or someone nah. like that? No, 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 no. no. no that was just, just called the bodyguard. That was ah, just the bodyguard. No, this this is this has been running for a lot of seasons. It's a it it, it broke all the records for the, it, it aired in um, Britain and. The last, uh, the last show, the last two shows actually were literally the most watched dramas in wow. British history. What's it on? Um, it's unfortunately it, the first five seasons are on Netflix and they are excellent. Like they're really, really good. But it's the on sixth Stan season, too, it? no, uh, might be on Stan as well. Um, but I, I know for a fact the first five are on Netflix. But the sixth season, unfortunately, is just on this thing called BritBox. Which you can get what? for free for a month, which is what we did to get it. Brit that's the box. only place. Yeah, it's just mm. BBC and other British dramas mm, okay. on a streaming service, and I um I got it for free, so we could just and we and I just plowed through it through it as quickly as we could. Britbox sounds like a meal deal that you would get at like a fish and chips chain, you know, like I want a, I want a Britbox <laughs> with extra extra dim sims. Uh, at, at some point when we have more time to dedicate it to it, a, a discussion on the the fragmenting of the streaming market and when it's actually going to reconsolidate whilst not That's, interesting yeah. to many, it's to many people. Valid, is, uh, valid conversation. It's, it's a mess. It's, it's, it's going to be a valid conversation. Yes. Is anyone interested other than the four people on this chat and Andrew who's not on this chat? That, that, that's, I don't know whether you've noticed, we fucking do this thing for us. <laughs> it's not really for anyone else. <laughs> Actually, well, yeah. you make a lot of sense. A big hey, audience in this part we're, of the world. We're weirdly, we're very big in Germany. I can't explain it, but, you know. <laughs> well, they're into, they're into, <laughs> it, it's explainable. They're into weird shit there. Well, a, well um, uh, <laughs> listen to the show, Jeff. Um, oh, yeah. My uh, American Shout friend. out, Jeff. Has, he, has his dad in Michigan or New Jersey listen to this to uh, because he asked him, oh, what's it like in Australia at the moment? He says, oh, just listen to this. <laughs> See what's wow. like in Australia at the moment. What's so Jeff's dad's going, name? Uh, Do we know? <laughs> um, I, I feel bad. Oh, Jeff's dad? That, but I, yeah. Dick and Shout Ham Show at gmail.com. Jeff's dad. Write to us. Yeah, although we should start checking that email know, address um, again. I haven't checked Have that you not been checking it? That's your, you've got <laughs> one job. Fuck. Oh, no, I've got to check that. We might have some fan it's, mail. Like some real family. Great to know. Jeff's, been, Jeff's dad been has been to... writing to us for weeks. <laughs> I've been trying to package up a um, an ads uh, an ad schedule with Buick, so they'll be really pleased to know that we've got a growing audience in those kind of states because that's a real growth area for them. It is, yeah. The new Chevy Silverado is going to be our sponsor next week. Uh... Yeah, that's right. That's right. The V14. Yeah. Well, for, for the first time, I have nothing in terms of recommendations. I'm in a real, real lull with, with films and TV. I mean, I'm watching what's on. Um, I, I watched a little bit of the Tour de France, which I hate professional cycling as, as, as much as the next guy. But I find that show, and I'm, I'm certainly not a Francophile like some other people on this call are, but I, I find it very relaxing. I find the, the scenery and the helicopter shots and just the, the little villages. It's just like, it's like as background noise. The Tour de France is pretty fucking good. Um, I've, heard that from so, I've heard that from so many people like so many people to say just put it on and you, you, all of a sudden it'll be six hours later and you will have watched the whole thing yeah like, oh, it's, I, it I, is that it's i've still never done that. it but i've heard i've heard that. i feel like it peaked when um who was the australian guy who won it 
Cadell Evans. Evans, and he was um, and he was sparring with the remember the Schleck brothers. Remember they were like his nemesis. You know, I quite <laughs> like that. Um, I, I watched it that year. I used to watch it. I'd like watch it for an hour each night or whatever. So yeah, I, I can understand how people feel like that. I know nothing about it. You need good commentary. Good commentary you, you is crucial do. to tell you, you about do. the peloton. The tactics. Yeah, uh, but I don't even care about Phil that. Like, I, I like that. Yeah, Phil Liggett is actually a great, great uh, commentator. Full stop. But the, um, the, in addition to the scenery aspect, which is good, there's just enough randomness that it's that it's entertaining. Like when you see the spectator, there'll be a spectator who does something weird. There'll be some dude stops to take a shit and they'll accidentally not cut away from it, or like just just weird stuff, or like <laughs> a dude will reach out from in a car and like tie a guy's shoe up for him and they'll all nearly crash, like shit like that. It's um, it's what, something did, about did you guys it. Find it inexplicable? Did you guys feel it finding inexplicable that in a in a contest that's based on how far a man, I mean a man, a man can can drive a bike? It's kind of okay if. While you're getting your bike repaired, you actually just hold on to the side of a car for like a good ten minutes. Do you find that surprising? <laughs> I do. I'm like, do. he's holding on to the it's car, and you're like, well, it's all part of it. Particularly like, when the car's doing two hundred. The car's moving him along at sixty k's an hour. I'm surprised you're allowed to do that. Like, yeah. People seem pretty chill with this. Well, perhaps because there's worse forms of cheating that happen in cycling. Everyone's just like, well, whatever. <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah, they, they, I mean, he, he, he had an intravenous drip of cocaine going straight to his arm while he was. Yeah. Yeah. As long as the driver, car. as long as the driver has clean urine, it's fine. Yeah, they could do just driving while they're driving and while they're riding as well. Have you noticed that a lot of pissing while on bikes? There is, and there's a guy who pisses into a bag just to do a piss swap, so they have clean samples. That there's a guy called Quadzilla. You guys should Google Quadzilla, the cyclist. <laughs> Look at how big the guy's quads were. That's a good name. That's a good name. I don't know if he's still riding, but his legs were really. Really, something. I'm gonna I'm gonna get a picture of him while you guys are uh, talking. Ranch, what have you got on your um? What um, have you got at the moment? So uh, I, I'll I just want to mention again something that I mentioned on our last episode, which was oh my god, look at Quadzilla, fucking hell! <laughs> the big quads. Oh is, is that Photoshop? No, it's not Photoshop. That's his actual quads. Holy shit! That is that is remarkable. We, um, can you send me that? I'll put a link to that in the, in the show notes. People have to see Quadzilla. Fuck I will. I will. Um, Sorry, man. Sorry to cut you off. So I, uh, I, I think on, on our last show, I had begun watching an Australian show called Mr. In Between, which uh, which I mm. mentioned, um, and I finished that shortly after. And I, I, I just have to strongly recommend that people watch that show. It is like I, I dislike Australian TV shows as much as almost anyone in the world. This thing is just world class. It is remarkable. Um, it's it's just incredibly well made. Uh, it, I think I said once before it's it's very funny, but then there's episodes that will just like completely rip your heart out, um, and some that just where you're just on the edge of your seat and you can't breathe the entire time. The thing is just amazing, amazing to watch. So please check that out, Mister In Between. It's um it's just uh, uh, ridiculous. Just finished up. It's it's third season. Um, it's on definitely stand? on Netflix and a. No, Netflix. Uh, uh, Netflix. Sorry, uh, Foxtel is what I mean. Um, Foxtel. Yeah. And uh, it it aired on FX. So I don't know if like for people around other parts of the the world, maybe um, uh, some kind of FX feed you, you might get it. But it's um it's it's incredibly good. Um, there's a, a boots. I've been watching the Bureau uh, extremely yeah. slowly. Um, that that you mentioned a few times, and and mm-hmm. yeah, I can really um get behind that. It's uh, just really well made, really well, like really well detailed as well. And like there's oh, yeah. a lot of a lot of show don't tell in terms of kind of what they're doing as well. Like the you um 
you kind of pay attention to the slightest little mannerisms of certain characters and kind of what they're doing just to kind of give you an insight of, 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 of what they're actually doing and what they're saying in a scene might necessarily might not necessarily kind of marry up with what they plan to do um really really uh really well made so i'm just about to finish the first season of that and it'll take me until christmas to finish the rest of it i think but um that is uh extremely yeah, good it, 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 it's one of those one of those shows that you can't be like doing stuff on your phone no, and stuff while you're no, watching no, you which can't. is that and that and that that does make it harder um yeah because yeah yeah you've got to be concentrated yeah. and, and and also it's in french so you kind of also need yeah. to keep your eyes on the screen um oh, not, unless you speak french but that's fine yeah well i don't i'm not like <laughs> you boots i'm not like you with your french surname i don't know how to speak french you and mark <laughs> lecrae just hanging out speaking french yeah, bonjour, <laughs> yep that's that's uh, that's all you need to know the one I really wanted to talk about is something that I was not expecting to be good at all, at all. And it is an animated show about Harley Quinn. Has anyone else seen this or heard about this? I've heard about it. I've not seen it. Uh, I, it I, please go and watch that show. Um, I was not expecting an animated TV show about a DC character, let alone fucking Harley Quinn, to be any good at all. Um, but it's... I don't want to say it's in the top three shows i reckon i've seen in the last couple of years it's oh, just wow. it is it is just insanely funny like uh, steve and i both started watching it about the same time and like it's just one of those shows we just had to text each other about all the time like it just they make like dozens of brilliant brilliant decisions around each character kind of as they go along and it's just it is fucking hilarious um what's it called just Harley Quinn. It's just called Harley oh, Quinn. I just called that. It's just called Harley yeah. Quinn. Yep. And it's yep. on. Um, I think the first season is on Amazon. You can't get the second season here. So I have, anyway, I've seen the second season. Uh, but uh, please, please watch it. I guarantee. If you just watch the first three episodes, and and if you if you don't like it by then, you're just not going to like the show. But I, I guarantee you will. Like some of the stuff they do with Bane and these other these other characters is just hilarious. They just take the piss out of everything, including their own IP. All the time, like the whole show is just them going on about just how ridiculous superheroes are, and like, it, like usually the treatment of their own characters in the DCEU and stuff. It's fucking remarkable. So check that out, Harley Quinn. It's brilliant, really, wow. really good. Some good voice talent in it. Jason, uh, uh, Tony Hale oh, yeah. from uh, from yeah. Buster Bluth from Rest Development, and uh, Jason Alexander, uh, George, George from Seinfeld. Yeah. Which yeah. we need to we need to have our, our previous host uh, from Hong Kong back on to talk a little more about his. Uh, Seinfeld was was maybe as good as as Modern Family, but maybe not as good as Modern Family. Well, that was a, that okay. was a, well, that was a hot take. Yeah, it was a hot take, and I wasn't going to mention this, but now that now that you brought it up, I, Vals, I watched one of your recommendations, Motherland. I got to tell you, mate, that was not very good at all. I had to buy <laughs> the whole season because I couldn't watch it anywhere else, and like we watched three episodes, and it was yeah, I, it wasn't for me is what I'd say. So, look, thanks. If, if you're if you're willing to do that for a man who recommended Andrew Phillips as our number one Ruckman branch, I think you you got what you paid for. Is, hey, uh, hey, I think what, hey. Uh, like you, I, I I respect you went with Andrew Phillips there, but you really should have gone with Zach Thatcher as the example. <laughs> really should have. Well, he, he's still, not on the still thinks he's going to be good. I love your vows. I miss your vows. He's on the show for his color. He's on the show for for ABBA uh, conversations and for you know when you want to know which ABBA tribute band is the best. You know, there's there's other reasons, but uh, I, I haven't watched Michael Landon. One thing for people who, who 
have maybe been under a rock and haven't seen it, and no pun intended, is that all of 30 Rock is coming back to Netflix this week. So, I mean, oh, right. it, it's one. It's it's actually the classic pandemic show. If there's someone out there who just didn't sort of get into 30 Rock, you've got how many seasons? Maybe seven. And within that, there is just layer upon layer of top, top shelf stuff. So if you haven't seen it, you, it's like yeah, your it's lucky great. day that suddenly all of that is on Netflix and you should just dive yeah, in it's because a, it's still good. It's actually, it's an easy light watch and um, the ranch might cringe at this. I'm not sure he may not. I find the same thing when I sit down on the couch for the first time at 9.40 because the fucking kids are working and all that sort of stuff. And I couldn't be bothered thinking of what I'm going to watch. I'm not going to watch Le Bureau Boots you know, because I'm not a Francophile like you are. I just need something dumb to put on that I don't have to spend half an hour thinking about. I'll put on the new girl for that sort of entertainment. I feel yeah. like 30 rocks like that. It's just watchable. The ranch fucking hates the new girl. I do. But, um, I like new I, girl. I, what was uh, with new girl? I don't, I don't hate it at all. I find it, I find it particularly good actually. Um, but, um, I think it's good. I mean, it, it, it doesn't have the, it doesn't have the credentials of 30 rock, of course, but similar principle. They're easy to watch. It's the loudest know? show ever made. Everyone is just shouting at each other the whole time. You're so show. old. And turn it down a bit. <laughs> Start hitting the TV with the cane, Hugh. Quiet. Quiet, Hugh. Who stands up and adjusts the rabbit ears on top of his television when that show comes on because he doesn't like it. That's like, fine. I'm, I, my equivalent for that show is NCIS. So, really, I've, yeah. So yeah, yeah NCIS is out or you like watching NCIS? Hey. Do you? No, you watch NCIS? I do. Wow. I can okay. watch NCIS. It's pretty watchable. Really? Denozo, sure. you know, I just, I, I just, I mean, I know those shows rate extremely well, but I just, I couldn't, t- I, I, up until right now, I did not know, I did not think I knew anyone who actually watched it. But it just, it, but as Sam said, if, if I want to watch something that I don't, I don't have to think about, I don't have to. Well, you do not need in. to think about those shows. That's for but, sure. But, uh, but, but can uh, appreciate a well-produced um, and interesting thing to watch. Without with without giving it my full attention, it is uh, it is excellent for that. So does Mark Harmon get paid like a hundred million dollars a year or something for that show? Yeah, got yeah, in back in the old days of getting uh, getting your residuals. Well, and, and also from you know the, as Ranch pointed out, it actually it, it is the highest rating show in the US and has been the highest rating drama, I should say, for a number of years. They're now in season eighteen, um, <laughs> and they've just signed on to come back for season nineteen. And Mark Harmon was going to not come back. He said, oh, I'm, I'm done. But then they said, oh, if you don't come back, we'll probably finish it up. And he, so he, the deadline Hollywood story was that he decided to come back so that the staff and everyone can get paid. But uh, oh, you know, as, as with um, all of these shows that, that run for multiple seasons, once you get past those first five seasons, it usually you have your kind of set salary structure and set increases for after those first five years, it's a, it's you have to really be rating your ass off to get into six, seven, and eight, mm-hmm. and down the line. And here we're talking about a show that got into you know season nineteen. Yeah, um, so did um, Grey's Anatomy, believe it or not, still going, and that's well, had about twenty something seasons, which is astonishing I, um, to me. But still going. They uh, owned an interview with Rob Lowe, who's quite funny, um, and I listen to his podcast with as well because he sort of mm. he doesn't take himself too seriously. He knows that he's the good-looking guy who's had the up and down career, and he's kind of fine with that. But he's like, uh, someone said, have you got any regrets? And he goes, oh, look, I try not to have regrets. He goes, but if I had to say one, he goes, <laughs> there was a, uh, a medical show uh, on TV and uh, they did offer me the part of like the lead handsome doctor. And I was kind of like, look, I feel like this is just going to propagate the me as the lead handsome whatever guy kind of role. So I didn't take it. 
He goes, that decision probably cost me $80 million. <laughs> 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 and, it, and it was the like McSteamy, McDreamy, whatever the fuck yeah. on Grey's Anatomy guy, which he would have been perfect for, you know, as the handsome guy. But yeah, I thought that was funny. Yeah, yeah totally. We're, we're getting a little short on time, but um, Boots, you want to quickly wrap uh, NBA finals, NBA season is over. We, uh, we touched on a little yeah. bit in terms of who would have won if they were healthy, but what are, you, what are the other thoughts well, about I, how it I, I appreciate my short time, but I was going to do the around the campfire on the uh, on the coaching. Put in that, put coaching in that sound session, do yeah? Can we do it? Let's do it. Let's do that. Talk about NBA. Let's do that. We'll, campfire, campfire, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll do NBA. Next it's time. around the campfire. So the coaching succession plan. Now this has been in the in the press this week uh, and last week, particularly because for the Sam Mitchell, um, Alistair Clarkson scenario, and then. A, f- a number of people reporting. First of all, it was the uh, the pissant guy from Channel Seven who comes on at halftime saying that the um, <laughs> that no one at Hawthorne wanted Clarkson to continue. That they were he was only sitting there because they couldn't get away from getting out of paying his his salary and including it in the soft cap, and he wouldn't leave voluntarily. Uh, and then the next story then came out that was linked to Caroline Wilson that Mitchell in the meeting. Clarkson had said that he would prefer the clear air in 2022 and prefer that Clarkson go at the end of the year, which again is being very strategically linked by Hawthorne to say, Clarkson, we really don't want you <laughs> here next year, but we, we understand there's a, there's a contract and we, you know, unless you voluntarily leave, we can't get out of, of paying it. But I found it to, to be particularly fascinating that this is the, uh, this is the tactic they've taken. Because you go back and look at how the other coaching succession plans have worked and you've got the relatively recent example of Goodwin and Paul Ruse. But that, to my mind, was set up with Paul Ruse when he took the job was, I'm very much here for two years to groom the next coach and it's going to be Simon Goodwin and that's kind of was, was, was set up with that in mind. So taking the job in that mind. So that's almost a different... Example. Also, a measured, a fairly me- relatively by football standard measured kind of dude as well, in a way that a lot human. of yeah, yeah. And, and, yeah. And, and Ruse has very, very much been, he, Ruse always empowered his assistants. He was not a micromanager. He very much was, I, I want to sort of control the vibe and how the, the team feels. I'm not going to micromanage each individual player and what they do on the on the field. And that's, so I agree with Sam's premise there. And that, that's why that sort of arrangement could work and, and seems to work because the person they're putting with how Melbourne are going this year but people can't help but make the, the Buckley and Malthouse comparison and I actually just think the obvious similarities make it obvious but I actually think they're quite different scenarios I think Clarkson I thought Malthouse was whatever job Malthouse took next I if you go back and ask 2010 me I would have said he's going to do a shit job at the next club I don't I don't think there unless he was going to take over some superpower that had everything in place I didn't see him as someone who was particularly forward thinking even back in 2010 I think he had created a team of very hungry and that had talented people and took advantage of the year where Geelong didn't make the grand final and Hawthorne weren't, weren't ready yet and 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 managed to get that secure the team and then the Clarkson 
Mitchell Dynamic, I actually think Clarkson is probably still one of the best coaches in the AFL. And I think if you need someone to plan to beat someone for one game, Clarkson is probably the person I would take at the moment. I mean, so manufacturing a draw against Melbourne, and I know Melbourne have played down to their competition a few times this year, but with the team that Hawthorne had on the park on on a bunch of kids uh, on the on the weekend was, was an incredible coaching performance. And I just think it's, and I know a lot of people, and I know Dave, you're actually in this camp and actually want Clarkson to move on because you think it's it's stale at this point in time. But I just think, I just still think he's an incredibly good coach. And I think he's going to go, I think he will go somewhere else. And unless it's a team that structurally is deficient in terms of the, the other personnel and the um and the way that the club operates from a football department perspective, I think he will do well. Um, but I will be very interested to see whether it is, uh, whether Hawthorne get their wish and he goes to Carlton, thus fulfilling my prophecy, or, or whether they do actually have this incredibly awkward situation next year. I'll be interested to see what the rest of the uh, the group thinks. Yeah, I mean, I can, I can yeah, go through. Hawthorne's going to struggle to kick another 10 goals, so... Pretty sure my prophecy is going to come true as well. I think he's only kicked three for me. Right, he's finished. Yeah, he's done, that guy. No, look, I'm the only uh, Hawthorne guy on the call. I I was in favour of of some form of change. I'm definitely in in favour of our president, Hawthorne, moving on because I'm just over it and I I really didn't even want him back for the second time and it's it's just irritating me that he's still there. My beef with Clarkson was not hugely around coaching style and and camp you sort of very uh calmly articulated a few things about why he's a good coach and why it may be foolish to just get rid of the damn guy um i i think my and as a Hawthorne fan you can't be pissed off about much because we've had such a good run over the last 10 years 20 years 50 years you know we're really lucky um i think that the one frustration you have as a Hawthorne fan is that they they had what there was list management is the thing that's frustrating in that they, they had this one trick that they went to and it worked a couple of times where they topped up with mid-career yep. players and then they just they just kept doing it when it was clearly not the right thing to do anymore and it was like this this thing that they got addicted to and that's probably not him right that's probably graham wright or whoever's leading list management but it, it was super uh, frustrating. Sorry, sorry just to, to, just to jump in there the, the word is that he's not a candidate for the collingwood job because graham wright and alice clarkson hate each other and okay. That he will not. He, he will not. Uh, he will not go to Collingwood. Interesting. Which uh, he's going to fucking piss Will off more than anything if they can't get, get a Will if you're listening. Yeah, we'll so get one. Having having Graham Wright as your football boss, who's done such a magnificent job in the um, short time so far, um, <laughs> has will prevent you from getting Clarkson. But, but yeah, I mean, list management is the thing that has been really irritating because it, there is no point when you're a middle of the ladder team to give away draft picks for mediocre players who have three years left. And they just kept doing it. And or it felt like they kept doing it and kept doing it. And a couple of really successful ones like Burgoyne made them even more addicted to it. And as a supporter, you just saw it coming. And like, can we just can we just not give away draft picks? Can we try to get some talent in instead of like, I know Chad Wittgaard's a really good player, but like, is that the right thing to do at the moment? And I, I just got to the point where I was like, I'm sick of doing that and, and that's why I want to change, but I might be oversimplifying thinking that's all on him, right? Or I might just be wrong thinking that's all on well, him. No, I, um, well, look, I, who, who knows internally how it works? I, I can't imagine that they, that they would do things without consulting him. Um, and 
it, I think you, you made the point. It, it works so well. I mean, you turn Brian Lake from a flaky guy, well, sorry, remained a flaky guy and proven that. Yeah, but a flaky post, performer. Post-football <laughs> career. And he freaking won a Norse at Nell. It was... Um, yeah, he played great. And, and, and he... he solidified a position that was the weakest part of that that kind of Hawthorne, Hawthorne yeah, lineup. For I think he did. I think Hawthorne, Hawthorne absolutely had success in in kind of extending their their dominance for a year or two or three or whatever it happens to be. And I reckon there was probably one flag that um, that they got as a result of, of of doing this. It then it then did continue, but it was like they, they weren't giving up massive amounts of draft capital for a Patton or Scully or whoever, right? But you know, like it, it just it it inevitably just kind of needed to kind of catch up. And you know, frankly, when when you're that good and you're picking at the at the end of of the first round in the draft each year, like yeah, you're eventually going to run out of talent, and that's just kind and of it, feels like yeah, this is what's happened. It, it, it's the it's the ones that didn't work, right? It's uh, it's what you gave up for Omira, who everyone was willing to take a chance on, but yeah, other than a couple of teams that were just medical black lined in, but um, everyone looked at those first two years at the Suns before he got hurt and thought, well, actually, you know, this guy could be Dangerfield. He could be, um, you know, the, the best midfielder in competition, and then that hasn't worked out, and that then hamstrings you, and then. To Ranch's point, Scully and Pat didn't cost very much, except for the opportunity cost of you're not playing, you're not pay, playing these other players or or structuring around these other players because they're, they're more secondary yep. thought process. I'll tell you one other thing that I reckon all of the discussion around the coaching intrigue has um, covered over, and that is uh, continued bugbear of mine based on personal experience with Essendon is. Do you think we should be talking about the fact that a guy who retired two seasons ago has just been given a senior coaching role, having basically barely coached a team because he was, what, a good player and a good leader or something? At least he has been coaching, though, Mitchell, right? Like, you know, like... Yeah, he, but he, he, he was he, still he's a player been, the he's year been before the, last. No, it wasn't that soon, was it? He, yeah, to, to, yeah, right. but he was he, he was in his, he was actually had a title as an assistant coach and barely played. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, the last West Coast year he didn't play. I guess I'm saying though, there's, yeah, I just there aren't that many. I don't know. Like you, I, you, I, you, I, hate, you hate James, you hate James Hurt. So just stop. It. <laughs> yeah, that's right, and I'm wrong about that. Um, but there's there's just so I just. Uh, look, it's, so, a big club. Certainly it's a big the, club the, and you, you, you're taking on a guy who's coached, who's never coached a team, right? He hasn't been like, oh, I've coached anywhere else. He's been an well, assistant no, coach no, for... No, no, no he, he, he's, he, he's been the head coach of, of the Box Hill Hawks. Yeah. And, okay, and, my mistake. I didn't realise that. My mistake. Yeah, so, 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 so he has so, done so, Certainly yeah, the, done the, optics, the optics of big Melbourne club get legendary player who hasn't been retired for that long back to be head coach thing like that's that's a fucking trope that we've seen play out a few times um but at least with at least with Mitchell like you know he stopped playing and immediately was you know um uh, part of the coaching panel with a successful west coast side um he's well, I don't know if he then went directly to box hill boots but um you know like yes, he, he's he, done he, he, he's he's done the work so so to speak albeit not a short not short amount of work i just but i find but it he, he yeah, like, 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 so you say yeah you're right he has and so at least he's shown interest in it. it's not like he got talked into it like with herd but yeah. he but but the boss scenario was similar in some ways in that he had had some coaching as well 
great player on the He was reading the news on Channel 10. But just, again, was he a good like news reader? Yeah. Can't imagine. No. Look, Sam Mitchell might be brilliant, and by all accounts, he's a good guy, and he was a leader on the field and all that shit. You're still making a guy a senior coach who's, like, coached for, like, two years. I'm just saying. Like, the, I find yeah, it yeah. difficult to believe that in a national search of people, there wasn't one other person. Apparently, they didn't even really consider anyone else. There wasn't one other person that it might have been worth talking to about coaching a club other than Sam Mitchell because he used to play there, and everyone likes him. Yeah. yeah, it's like yeah, if you come, Lewis, you, you get invited to sing the national anthem. You know, the bar, you get invited to things maybe that, that, that other people wouldn't because you because you can't yeah, lose. The right or wrong, Sam is 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 if 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 Sam Mitchell was a legendary player at <coughs> excuse me at North, Fremantle, say North Melbourne, um, yeah, yeah, like, like would, would would he be you know now the 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 future head coach, coach of Hawthorne? Absolutely um, not not even close so yeah it's just it's just incredible to me that it still happens these days like in in, in this way like i just find it remarkable well it's it point earlier though yeah, is, yeah, is, yeah. It, is it the most professional industry on earth or is it not you know it's kind of in some ways professional in other ways it's not the, look the, the one point i'll make to and I, I actually don't think this is defense but i think this is why they did it is they expected that there would be genuine interest from Carlton and Collingwood and a third team that's going to access coach that is Adelaide that people weren't sure about. And they kind of thought, well, we, we've, we've got to take a view here. Do we? How do we take him off the market? If we give him promise to say, yeah, yeah well, Clarkson will only be here for two years and then it'll definitely be you. And you go, well, that's fine, but if you know, what if Clarkson keeps coaching well? He's got a contract that extends through the end of 2023. You know, you're one year's hot assistant and two years later, you're not getting any offers. What can you do? And they say, well, we can put this formal agreement in place. Right or wrong, clearly that's the decision they've made. Yeah. He, that, there, was a, there was a risk of losing it and him and them decided that's... Yeah, I'm sure you're right. I'm sure you're right, but it's got a bit of a, and and the board were like, the fans will be really pissed if we let him coach at another club. So therefore, we've turned the club onto its fucking head to have Sandwich become the senior the, coach. That, they, they've got Jason Dunstall in that setup. I don't think he's like that. I don't think he would have let that happen. They didn't look at um, any other coaches reportedly. They just made Sam Mitchell look, ah, look, it may well, turn out that, great. I, and but, you know, but, but, Hawthorne, but, Hawthorne's a very well-run club and so if anyone can do it, it'll be you guys. I still just try and make a try and make a cold light of day, don't think they, put the facts on the page to make Sam Mitchell coach of a senior club and you couldn't make it. But don't, don't you think that they brought him back? And again, look, I, I feel like I'm playing devil's advocate here because I don't necessarily disagree but, but, but it's too early to be making that call but i i think they clearly identified him as the next coach when they brought him back they they had to you know in a soft cap that's been significantly deflated they had to pay a, a, an amount to get him to come back from perth um to be the coach of, of box hill and clearly with the idea of being well if he develops that he's going to be the next senior coach at hawthorne yeah, well, the main winners are people who like uh, lengthy and semi-meaningless AFL news cycles because it's going to be talked about oh, yeah. so, oh, so, yeah. so much for so, so long. So much. Um, and, and, yeah. uh, and Clarkson will go down swinging too, you know it. 
Oh yeah, and if oh, you yeah. get to that oh, stuff, yeah. I, I don't know what to say because it's it's pretty fucking dull to to immerse yourself in that news cycle for so long. Um, but it's so, going to happen, so and we're going to have to deal. What with. we should be looking at, which is Collingwood, you know, <laughs> <laughs> someone like a T must just be sitting there going, "Fucking really?" Like you know, like that, like it, it hasn't been a good year, but you know. Like the Collingwood job's open. Can he take that one, please? Oh, no, there's just strife at board level and the whole place seems like an absolute shit show. Oh, so where's the next big club? Oh, it's me. Oh, there's a review. Oh, we've got a pretty good young... Li- oh, I'm fucked. Like, you know, it just... It, it can't be good to be in that guy's shoes, can it? No. We, we lived in that guy's apartment ranch in Richmond. Well, we didn't live in his apartment. That makes it sound like we were living in his house without him knowing. Yes, hang on. You wasn't lived it, in it after it, David Teague and you stole his mail for a bit. So you didn't live in it with him. David Park, hang on. Wasn't, I thought it was, hang on. I thought it was David, David Park Parkin's apartment. That. No, that was uh, Tim and someone else lived Tim in it. Tim was David Park. He had a, he had a Simon style painting of himself in the apartment. <laughs> <laughs> True story. I'm going to have to bleep all of that. Uh, I saw, I saw David Parkin at a Hawthorne game go and tell a Hawthorne fan to, to stop being a dickhead and then everyone clapped. Like he went down yeah, and, then, and, he, and, and he's so and good. Bacon had to walk out of the <laughs> uh, He went to this guy who was a complete wanker and he's like, look, appreciate that you love Hawthorne, but what you're doing is not cool, it's not okay, and you got to stop it. And then what he, was he, he doing? Stood, Oh, he was just, I can't even remember, but he was, you know, those fans who kind of don't get just the difference the between slouch. between being sort of toxic and offensive and being passionate, like one of those guys. And he was way over that line. And it was it was sort of at a point where you're like, not sure how to take this up with a dude without this turning into a, like a, a fist fight. What, um, what would you do if you turned around and the person telling you off was David Parkin at a game? You'd just, <laughs> like, you'd just be, said. be starstruck. Yeah, yeah no, the guy... That, well, Dave, but, that some fans up. wouldn't know who he was these days. Like, he was lucky that it was a fan who kind of knew enough about football to know who that was. Dave, was it David Parkin or the, or the now late John Kennedy who you sat at a dinner or lunch with and some guy was like, this Brisbane team isn't that good? I reckon half the team wouldn't even make the Hawthorne team. And he was like, nonsense. Who would, yeah. make, who would make the Brisbane team? Name a who player. Who was, was that? Like, oh. He's like, name one. Who was that? No, it was, it was Alan Jeans. It was Alan it was Jeans Alan who did that. And the guy goes, I don't know, Luke Powell, never waste a possession. Yeah. He got so <laughs> specific on this guy. It was like, none of them would make the team. And Alan Jeans was like, that's ridiculous. That's complete nonsense. I can give you five examples right now of who would and who wouldn't. And the guy's like, no, nah, none of it get in. He's like, name one. Yeah, he really, he really took this guy to town. I completely the guy went with Luke Power? Jesus yeah, Christ, pretty good player. Like that. Yeah. And look, and also, I can't remember how on earth poor Alan Jeans got stuck on a table with me. Like, I don't remember how that even happened. <laughs> I, I don't understand that. But, yeah, no, that happened. Yeah, no, he uh, he was quite specific in how he re- rebuked that guy's arguments. And I, I think the guy went... some funny people over the years. <laughs> yeah. There's also a video of me. You remember that video of me talking to Peter Brock and him boring me? And I'm just going, oh, that's, that's, right. Right. <laughs> that's right. That's right. I remember that. Yeah, not rhyming slang. <laughs> I didn't I remember that. do that on purpose. I was just like, and it was at uh, Ranch at his uh, mother's charity fundraiser. I'm talking to Peter Brock and I'm like, this will make a good video. And then I look back and I'm like, oh my God, I'm just like giving this guy the look of how bored I am by him, which is pretty harsh, really. Yeah, you know who I hung out with at the park um, a couple of months back? Peter McKenna. Really? That's, wow. incredible. <laughs> That's excellent. How was he? Good guy? Yeah, he knows I was with Tim and obviously he knows, he knows Big John and so are they introduced? Yeah, lovely guy. 
very nice. Like your grandpa well, to, kind of thing. Very nice. Imagine who, it would be. Yeah. Tell you who I hang out at the park with a few months back. <laughs> Andrew Bogut. Ooh, that's oh, a good really? one. That's, that's a good one. Is yep. he just so big that it's impossible to imagine? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, like I like it was clearly him because he's fucking eight feet tall and had a big beard. Yeah. But like I'm not a guy, like I just I don't want I wouldn't want a celebrity to feel like they're a celebrity. So I'm just like, oh hi, and just introduced myself and kind of made him introduce me. Hi, I'm Andrew. He was just he was just so big, like just laughing. Yeah, what do what do you do, Andrew? Yeah, what <laughs> Well, well, these yeah. days he just gets on Twitter. He's, and then, he's, he's, uh, he's retired. Yeah, yeah. yeah he's, don't, uh, don't, don't 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 look at his Twitter too hard. Brent. No, his no, Twitter no. account is, is his record on Twitter is patchy to say the least. Went, no, went to no, Cleveland he, and got injured on his first rebound. True true story, boss. But, yeah, within but, within a minute. Yeah, someone tweeted that. Say, don't worry, Andrew. I only lasted sixty seconds my first time as well. Which is a pretty good tweet. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Ouch. Uh, well, I'm out of time because my two-year-old is awake and I probably need to go and, you know, parent her uh, in a responsible manner. But uh, what, what, a, what a treat to actually uh, talk to each well, other. You, you, what, you, you, you don't have iPads in Norway, do <laughs> Yes, we have iPads. It's time for more Jack and the Beanstalk. Yeah, I'll, I'll put on Jack and the Beanstalk. Yeah, have a full li- I'll send the link. Have a listen to it with the part where his mother beats him. It's pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> they left that part in. But uh, anyway, no, it was I'm a treat to, to speak to everybody again uh, and, and our ongoing uh, well wishes and support are there for a speedy resolution to the current situation. Uh, well, it doesn't sound like it will be speedy, but we're, uh, we're thinking of everybody. I think so Victoria thank you. will be out of it soon, but sorry, mate. Yeah. But, uh, what, what? Like, yeah, Victoria will be done soon, but New South Wales, they're still fucking yeah. around up there. Well, good luck to everybody uh, with, with all of that, of course. So thank you to uh, to the ranch, to Sam, and to the boot camp. Thank you mm. to the oldmccallum.com, Scotch Whiskey, for that smooth taste and that bad, bad behavior. We'll see you next week because we tape it every week. <laughs> next week. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Good talking to you guys. Speak soon. Uh, yeah, all right. Bye. Try to break our spirits They may try to get